0: Follow us on Twitter at A-R-G-L-B-O-R-O. Anarchy and Why It Matters for Health by Ryan Essex On August 21st, 1893, Emma Goldman spoke to a crowd of nearly 3,000 people in Union Square, New York, where she encouraged unemployed workers to take action in response to an economic crisis, in what became known as the Panic of 1893. Goldman was later convicted of inciting a riot and sentenced to one year in Blackwells Island Penitentiary. While in prison, Goldman was put in charge of a 16-bed ward after only informal training as a nurse. This experience was formative in shaping her views, working as a nurse after being released from prison. After training abroad and returning to the United States in 1896, Goldman worked primarily as a midwife. She was struck by the high rates of maternal mortality amongst the working class and the unsafe conditions in which many gave birth. In the early 1900s, Goldman was arrested at least twice for distributing information and giving lessons on the use of contraception. In 1916, she turned one of her trials into a forum on birth control, attracting national attention and garnering support from academics, activists and artists, among others. As well as a nurse, and as I'm sure many listeners will already know, Goldman was and remains to this day an influential figure in anarchist thought. Across the Atlantic, at a similar time, the Peckham Centre was opened. The Peckham Centre was founded in 1926 by two doctors, George Scott Williamson and Innes Hope Pearce. As the name suggests, the centre was located in South London, in the working class neighbourhood of Peckham. In many ways the Peckham Centre was an experiment in health and well-being and at the time was somewhat revolutionary. The Centre sought to create a place to promote health and well-being not to treat disease and it was centred around members not patients. Any family living within one mile of the centre could join with the only condition being a small weekly subscription fee and a willingness to undergo a health check on arrival. Within the centre a range of activities were open to members including physical exercise, swimming, and workshops. Members were otherwise largely left to themselves with little other organization. With time, several things became apparent. Most notably, it was found that after a brief period of disorder, people began to organize into a more orderly coexistence. Many people also began to show a greater interest in their health, which over time um, resulted in generally better health for all members. At the time it also had broader implications for thinking in relation to health, namely what occurred in the Peckham Centre gave weight to the idea that the environment plays a critical role in health and well-being, and that health was, just, uh, was more than just the absence of disease. Despite its success, the Peckham Centre was refused admission to the newly formed NHS and closed its doors in 1951. The Peckham Centre was later described as a laboratory of anarchy, with Williamson stating in a lecture to a London anarchist group, I was the only one with authority, and I used it to stop anyone exerting any authority. The above two examples are illustrative of the ways in which anarchy and health intersect, and this is something I've become increasingly interested in exploring, what anarchist theory and praxis could offer when when it comes to health. This may not be news for many anarchist theorists, however, it is certainly underexplored and overlooked in my own discipline, bioethics, and many of the health and social care disciplines I work alongside, so much so that I believe there are many contemporary examples of health programs, interventions, initiatives that employ anarchist principles or thinking, but are often overlooked as anarchists. Below I want to offer some further, more recent examples of where health and anarchism intersect, and then discuss what I think to be some of, the, some of the benefits could be for health resulting for greater engagement with anarchist theory and praxis. So much has already been said about COVID-19 and the failure of governments and other centralized authority across the globe. The pandemic has claimed and continues to claim millions of lives. Um, beyond this, it was also the, la- the, the largest single upheaval to social life in living memory. It might seem strange to talk about anarchy during a pandemic, a time when we need cooperation and solidarity more than ever. Um, however, the pandemic also exposed our current arrangements failed millions. Throughout the pandemic, individuals and groups banded together, delivering mutual aid where no other services existed. In Brazil, community volunteers went door to door distributing food, masks and educating communities about mask, mask use, social distancing, and handwashing, social media was also used to counter misinformation, activists converted schools into isolation wards and fought for the accurate documentation of COVID-19 deaths. In the US, mutual aid and grassroots organizing also played a role in compensating for the shortfall of what was labelled the chaos, incompetence, irrationality and often cruel misguidedness of the centralised government response. We find similar initiatives in South Africa where in March 2020, a small group of health experts, activists and community organisers identified the need for a collective community-led response to COVID-19. This group developed a toolkit for others to organise autonomously in their neighbourhood and encouraged neighbours to connect and identify the needs of their community, including those who were most vulnerable. Um, Within two months, over 170 community networks were formed. So we find examples elsewhere that predate the pandemic. In Greece, because of austerity, free clinics um, have been established for those unable to pay for health services. In response to increasing inaccessibility um, to pharmaceutical treatment, many have turned to DIY pharmaceuticals. We see healthcare provided pro bono across the globe for those who have arguably been most egregiously failed by state authority, refugees and asylum seekers. Action which actually has quite a long history as it relates to anarchist uh, thought. We find over 800 health centers, clinics and hospitals maintained by the Mexican Zapatistas, and healthcare programs created by indigenous organizations in Ecuador and Colombia. Um, In the USA, several mutual aid services were established to fill the vacuum left by the state in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, with some of these services still operating to this day. Beyond these examples, anarchist thought likely has a great deal more to offer. Um, for example we can find synergies between anarchist thinking and principles in medical ethics as argued by Niall Scott. I also believe that much more could be said about broader struggles against depression and injustice even in the absence of explicit goals related to health. Um, these struggles all have implications related to health and well-being. Uh, while I could go on I want to offer some reflection on what we can learn from some of these examples in moving forward and in thinking about anarchism and health. I should note these are very preliminary and broader reflections, but I see this as being quite a rich area for discussion in the future. I should also say I'm largely discussing what anarchist thought and practice could do for health. I believe the relationship between anarchism and health is likely to be far more complicated um, than anarchism simply having implications for health. We could for example also question what implications thinking in relation to health, health, health justice and health and politics have for anarchist thought. So in thinking ahead, I believe the first general point is that anarchist thinking provides a means to inform further community-led grassroots action that promotes and protects health and well-being. Now obviously quite a bit of this is already going on as I've discussed above. However, as I've also hinted, I don't think many people outside of anarchist circles would even consider such initiatives anarchist. So I think there is value here in even just promoting the term and educating others using the label. Um, This is particularly the case for the majority of the world who lacks access to healthcare, those who have been most failed, those who have been continuously failed by government when it comes to health and well-being. Anarchist thinking could not only inform grassroots strategies and mutual aid, helping us better understand these activities um, but also how these uh, activities could better reach and involve others. I also believe that anarchism provides a foundation to begin to consider these actions as interconnected rather than in isolation, allowing us to join the dots and more clearly locate and label these issues as structural failings rather than anomalies. Um, It's been one frustration of mine to see various health struggles around the globe um, who are essentially fighting against the same things, operating in isolation, and for those who work in health-related disciplines to overlook these struggles as apolitical. I also believe the need for this will become increasingly pressing. Global inequality continues to grow, we continue to sleepwalk towards a climate catastrophe, and um, the impact of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. We've seen the number of displaced people increase steadily over the last several decades and this is not only a failure by the states from which people have fled, but by the rest of the world, um, which has failed to offer sanctuary. All of these things have implications for health and there is a need to treat them as part of the same struggle. Beyond any theoretical contributions anarchy could make to health, anarchist thought also has practical instrumental value that it has and will continue to be needed to buffer against the most egregious threats to health, but also to improve the health of individuals and communities where authorities have failed. Returning to COVID-19 again, it has not only highlighted the many failings of government and other centralised authority, but the success and effectiveness of local grassroots organising. The experiences of community mobilisation in the face of a threat such as COVID-19 provide important opportunities for rethinking community health systems, in particular the challenges of sustaining collective action that is community-initiated and driven rather than state-organised. And finally, I think there is something more aspirational that Anarchy has to offer in thinking about new and better futures when it comes to health and well-being. Anarchy could enrich discussions about health, not only in terms of the many and mounting problems we are facing, but in offering something better. As I'm sure many people will already recognize, anarchy provides a baseline against which other forms of organizing can be compared that is, organization that is hierarchical, that entrenches domination and oppression, and that in fact takes these things for granted. In this respect, anarchism makes us question ourselves and our relationships to oppression and domination. Do we oppress others? Are we complicit? And how might things be otherwise? Anarchy has the potential to inform different forms of organisation, organisation that is not built around coercion, domination, or exploitation. Now I'm sure many listeners will agree with me on this point, but this could also intersect with health in numerous ways. So the pervasive and negative impact of hierarchy in healthcare has been well documented, for example, um, but not only within healthcare systems. Anarchy provides something far more ambitious in helping us think about how society may be organised differently. I don't think it is completely unreasonable to assert that a society without domination, racism, oppression, inequality would be far better off in terms of health in comparison to how things are at the moment. We need radical ideas and action when it comes to health and I believe what anarchy has to offer has been overlooked And I hope there is far more engagement with anarchist thinking from my discipline and others who are working in health and social care, or more generally, who are involved in struggles for better health. Thank you for listening. To help others find anarchist essays, please rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, why not check out the journal Anarchist Studies? For over 20 years, Anarchist Studies has been publishing original research on the history, theory, and practice of anarchism. For more information, visit www.lwbooks.co.uk forward slash anarchist studies.